Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus through these messages from our weekend worship gatherings. Amen. Let's give him some praise this morning. Hi. It is so good to be able to sit in church with you today. (laughs) This is how they keep me boxed in, y'all. You keep me to a chair. (laughs) We are so glad that we get to be here together today. Thank you for coming to church online. Thank you for coming to church in the room. We love gathering with people that we love during the Christmas season. And even though this is the weirdest of the Christmas seasons, we're always glad to be together, to lean in to God's word and to his truth. So let's start there today. In Ecclesiastes chapter three, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing, hashtag 2020, a time to search and a time to count as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his struggles? I have seen the task that God has given the children of Adam to keep them occupied. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also put eternity in their hearts, but no one can discover the work God has done from beginning to end. God, this is your word. It is absolutely true and it is powerful and full of promises. God, as we hear your word today, help us to pay attention to what you say, what you ask of us, what you remind us so that we can walk in wisdom and in love. I ask this in your name, amen. So here we are in part two of our seasons series. I always, a series, season, season series. I know. (laughs) We are spending some time in this Christmas season, not just talking about the Christmas season, but about the seasons of our lives and spending time learning together how to navigate whatever season we find ourselves in. We're gonna experience a variety of seasons in our lives. Some of these seasons are going to be life-giving and fun and full of adventure. And some of them are gonna be difficult and full of pain and struggle. But no matter the season, we need to have the toolkit to be able to get through the season and not just survive it, but thrive in it to embrace the time that we are in. Sometimes the seasons that we go through, these difficult seasons, are are things that are put on us externally, things that we can't control. We can't control that there's a pandemic. 
We just can't. It was put upon us, not by our choice. Uh, we just went through a really interesting, I guess that's the word to use, uh, election season that had us all strong really high and just was difficult and still is difficult. Those are things that we did not choose but were put upon us. There are seasons, they will end. But there are also seasons that we go through that are internal, that are personal, that are of things of our choosing or a little closer to home. Things like difficulty with coworkers, difficulty in your job, that's a season. It's not forever, but it is a season that you have to endure and figure out how to embrace. It could be a season of singleness that you're just not loving. It could be a season of marital strife. It could be a season of parenting challenges. It could be a season of financial loss or difficulty. All of those seasons are seasons that we will go through in our lives. And we have to figure out not only how to get through them and to embrace them, but what on earth are they for? Last week, we talked about seasons in light of joy that in order to endure seasons, we have to have joy because joy brings about strength, that the joy of the Lord is going to be our strength. And Matt talked about that the basis of joy, that the origin of joy is our hope, that when our hope is in the Lord, we can have joy, full joy, that, that God coming to earth as a baby in a manger was good news that brought great joy that was for all people. And that having that joy will give us the strength that we need to endure the season. But not only do, does hope bring up joy, but the, the Bible actually talks about that our trials should bring us joy, that hard seasons should bring joy, which just is mind-blowing. I don't know when I've been like, God, thank you so much for this hard time that I'm going through. It's awesome. Thanks. But James says in James 1, he says, consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Blessed is the one who endures trials. Guys, we're so blessed. (laughs) Look at us. (laughs) Blessed is the one who endures trials because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Last week, Matt reminded us to, and challenged us to seek the source of our hope. What is the source of our hope? What do we hang our hope on? And he reminded us that if, we, if we're having a hard time finding that hope, there are three sort of truths that we can lean into to find that hope. The hope that he loves us, that is a truth, that he loves us unconditionally and without restraint that he knows, he knows everything that is going on, that all things are in his control and that he has, he has a plan. He has a plan for the season that you are in. He has a plan for your whole life and he will provide that path as you continue to walk forward in faith. 
But so many times when we're in seasons, it's kind of where we end up. We're like, okay, all right, so you're in control. You have a plan. But what's your plan? Because I'd like to know your plan so that you can tell me your plan so that I can learn the things that I need to know so that I can get out of this season as quickly as possible. How, how many of you, even in this season, have thought, okay, God, I know you're trying to teach me a lesson. Teach me it so that I can pass the test and I can move on because I'm, I'm done with being here in this class, okay? Uh, let's graduate on from this trial that I am in. Well, uh, Solomon asks kind of that same thing in Ecclesiastes 3, that passage that I just read. He, he asks, what does the worker gain from his struggles? What are we supposed to be getting out of all of this? What is all of this struggle even for? I've heard it said, although you won't find it in the Bible, that everything happens for a reason. That everything happens for a reason. And, and you look at some of the things that go on in our lives and you think like, really? There's a reason that my loved one had to die like that? There's a reason that I lost my job? But maybe instead of thinking that everything has a reason, maybe start believing the truth that God is working everything together for our good and for his glory. And I know that is such a minute distinction, but one is saying like, oh, there's a reason for everything. And the other one is saying like, God can make good out of anything. And that is such an important distinction to make because what that begs us to do is to pay attention to what God is trying to work together. So instead of trying to figure out God's reason for doing something or God's reason for allowing something to happen to you, instead look at what God is doing and pay attention to how he's, he's moving and how you can fall in step. Ecclesiastes 7, 13 and 14. Again, this is Solomon speaking or the teacher speaking. He says, consider the work of God for who can straighten out what he has made crooked. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other so that no one can discover anything that will come after him. See, there's some things that we cannot alter. And as children of God, we're going to experience both good things, positive things, things full of life, and we're going to experience adversity. But both of those things come from God's hand. And it's not up to us to figure out like what he, what's gonna happen in the future. It's up to us to believe that he's the one who's working it out in the future. And it's us who's paying attention here in the present moment so that we can figure out how we can fall in step with him. Now, we all go through difficult seasons. And there was a season in my life when, when I was in college that it was particularly difficult at that time. I was traveling on a ministry team with Southern Wesleyan. We were a worship team and we were traveling from youth camp to youth camp all around the country to lead worship. But instead of leading worship, what ended up happening, we would arrive at a camp and they'd say like, we actually have another group that's gonna lead worship and you guys are gonna be the counselors. Or you guys are gonna be the kitchen crew. And I was like, I didn't audition to be the kitchen crew, whatever. But 
in that season, not only was that part difficult, but the team that we were traveling with, we were just kind of having some relationship issues, uh, some power struggles. Uh, and guys, we were 18 and 19 years old that they put into a 15 passenger van and gave us the keys and a credit card and said, have a good summer. I'm like, oh gosh, where were the grown-ups? Oh, we were the grown-ups. Okay, but it was a really difficult season. And I thought that it was gonna be a season that, that God led us, that, that God would speak to us, that God would grow us. And all I felt from God during that season was silence. I was like, God, did you just like quit working? Is there a knob I need to turn somewhere? But he was so quiet. And I begged and begged, God, help, help me. Help me to lead this team. Help me to know what, what I'm supposed to do. And just help me to know that you are still here because you have gone radio silent. And in that summer, God led me to the book of Lamentations. And I'll never forget, we were at Victory Mountain Camp. I will never forget, I was sitting on that dock, I had my Bible reading the book of Lamentations. And the book of Lamentations just ministered to my soul and to my heart in that moment. It helped me to know that I'm not alone. Now, if you don't know much about Lamentations, Lamentations was written by a prophet named Jeremiah. Jeremiah was called by God to prophesy to the people in Jerusalem to tell them, hey, you guys better get your act together or you are going to be conquered and taken into captivity because you've wandered around, you have wandered off from the plan and commands of God. Now, Jeremiah wasn't the first prophet or judge that God had sent to tell his people to get their acts together. But he was the one who told them, guys, this, like, this is it. I'm the last one that's coming before you're going down. So he didn't have a very fun job and it did not give him any pleasure to deliver this news to Jerusalem. In fact, he's called the weeping prophet or the lonely prophet. So if you ever find yourself in a season of loneliness, fear, sorrow, Jeremiah is a really good book to start in and Lamentations is, is his lament, his outcry of what he experienced seeing he actually saw Jerusalem conquered, taken, the people taken into captivity into Babylon. So let's read what Jeremiah wrote during this season. He, he's talking about God here. He says, he, God, has made my teeth to grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. Have you ever felt like that? Like, God, I, I can't even remember what peace feels like. I can't remember what good feels like. I don't remember what happiness feels like. It's been that long. Jeremiah's crying out to God. In fact, he'd gone on for 15 verses before this talking about how God had crushed his bones, how God had left him to be ravaged by wild animals, all kinds of things. And he's saying, God, you did this to me. It's okay to lash out at God. He can handle it. And you're not the first person to do it. But he goes on, he says, so I say, 
My strength has perished, so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wonderings. God, do you remember? I'm afflicted, I'm wondering. The wormwood, the bitterness, my soul continually remembers it and it is bowed down within me. But this, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's my favorite passage in all of scripture. See, hope for Jeremiah was found in the remembering of God's love. And how hard is it in those moments and seasons of difficulty, the things that you bring to mind is how wronged you've been, how much you don't deserve to be here. Those are sometimes the things that our minds wonder to, but Jeremiah's mind remembered. We were called to mind God's great love, and that was the source of his hope. Now that word steadfast love, sometimes it's translated as loving kindness. Sometimes it's translated as faithful love or covenant love. That's the love that is loyal. It's a love that has promised to be faithful no matter what. A promise that he is gonna stick with you and stick by you even if you don't stick with or stick by him. His promise to you is not contingent upon your faithfulness to him. And that was the love that Jeremiah recalled. The love that never gives up on you. The love that will never let you down. A love that is consistent and persistent. That is God's love to you, to all of us. That song that we sang right right before all of this happened called Hallelujah Here Below. One of my favorite lines, that's one of my favorite songs. One of my favorite lines in that song says, and when the fire that once burned bright becomes an ember my eyes can't see, I will remember his sacrifice. I will abide in your love for me. And I love that imagery that, you know, have have you ever heard the statement or said the words like, I was on fire for the Lord, or I'm so on fire for the Lord. And sometimes that fire that's so bright and kindled becomes this tiny little ember. But when it's that ember so small that your eyes can't see it, remembering God's love for you can rekindle that flame once again. And that's what Jeremiah called to mind in that season of difficulty. I just wanna ask, what do you call to mind in times of trouble? When, when you're going through a hard season, what is it that is called to mind? Let's follow that example of Jeremiah to recall the love of God. He continues, he says in verse 24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. He's everything I need. I'm completely satisfied in God. He is absolutely enough. 20, verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You see, hope invites us to be patient. 
And patience isn't a virtue that I uh, possess most days. I want things to be done right now and on time. I've got no patience for things that are falling behind. I don't even have that patience for myself when I'm falling behind. But patience, when, when we have hope in something that is beyond ourselves, in a sure hope, Jesus, we can be patient. We can wait. We can wait quietly, listening in full acceptance of what God, whatever God's will is, and not complaining any longer about our circumstances. Now that doesn't mean that you're happy about your circumstances, but it's like, I'm just gonna stop griping about them for a minute and I'm just gonna be patient and I'm gonna listen. You see, we can be patient and content in the waiting because God and what he has for us is always worth waiting for, always. Jeremiah goes on in verse 27. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes and let him be filled with insults. Now this is a fun Christmas message, isn't it? (laughs) I know we're feeling so good right now. Put your face in the dust. Put your mouth in the dust. Give your cheek to the one who strikes. This kind of language is the language of somebody who is totally submitted, who has unconditionally surrendered. Now, this is not giving up hope. When you lay in surrender to God, and you lay in surrender to whatever season that you are in, you are not giving up hope. You are giving up control. You are saying, okay, God, I still hope in you. My hope is in you. Therefore, I do not have to have control over this situation. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men to crush underfoot all the prisoners of earth, to deny a man justice in the presence of the most high, to subvert a man in his lawsuit, the Lord does not approve. Who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the most high that good and bad come? Doesn't that sound like Solomon again? Saying that from the Lord's hand, both prosperity and adversity come? Why should a living man complain, a man, a human? Why should a human complain about the punishment of his sins? Because God is a just God. Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. So we find ourselves in these seasons of submission and when we're in these places of patience and quiet, We can examine our lives. We can test our ways. We can say, God, am I walking in step with you? Am I living like you? Am I obeying your commands? Then he says this, and then return to the Lord. That means to turn once again to the Lord. Whenever you look at your life, 
in reflection upon it, where do you turn? Do you turn once again to the Lord or do you turn for your comfort and your rest somewhere else? Where do you turn for comfort and rest? In those times that you are stuck or stressed or frustrated or fearful or lonely or lost, when you're overwhelmed and insecure, where do you turn for comfort? Because wherever it is that you're turning for comfort, that will give you a lot of insight as to where your hope lies. Is your hope in a friend? Is your hope in a nap? Where do you turn for comfort? And, and all transparency, not proud transparency here at all. Whenever I'm feeling stressed, and especially like stressed in the moment, whether it's here when I'm working and I get to a place where it's like, okay, I don't, I don't know what else to do. I, I don't know how to do it. Or this is, all just, this is all just too much. It's too overwhelming. Do you know what I do? I grab this little rectangle thing that I keep by me every single second of the day. And I wanna look at somebody else's life. I wanna scroll on the social media. I wanna see on Instagram. I wanna see somebody else's pretty picture. Or I wanna see somebody else's sink full of dishes. I wanna know that I'm not the only one who's going through a hard time. Oh, and look, there's an ad, there's an Amazon ad. Oh, look at all these things that I could buy for my kitchen. <laughs> look at that. One can never have too many wooden spoons. Look at these toys. Oh, this would, my kids would love to have these toys. This would make my life so much better. Where do you go for comfort? When, you, when you're facing a trial, is, is your first thought to phone a friend? Oh, listen to what happened to me today. You will never believe. Phones are like this now, aren't they? <laughs> you will never believe because you're looking for somebody to commiserate with. You're looking for somebody to say, oh, I know, it is bad. It's really bad. Or somebody to say, you can do this. And that's not a bad thing. Our friends are not a bad thing. Our phones are not a bad thing. Sometimes the things that we look for, a nap is not a bad thing. But when that is the source of our comfort and that is the only source of our rest, we will always fall short. It will always crumble under the weight of what we actually need. This series, we've been talking about the idea that we need to lean into the truth that has the power to shift the season that we are in. And as I've thought about that statement, to lean into the truth, all I can hear is Jesus in John 14, 6, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So when I think about leaning into the truth, I think about leaning into the truth, leaning in to Jesus, leaning into the teachings that he has, leaning into his invitations to us. And the one that I think of the most when I think of God's invitation to us 
is the one that he gives us in, in Matthew 11. He says, you're tired? You need rest and you need comfort? Come to me. Come to me, all you. All of you, every single one of you, no one is excluded. No one's been bad enough or lazy enough or wrong enough or whatever to be excluded from this invitation. All of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you who are weary because of the things that have been placed upon you, that have been put in front of you, all of the things that you yourself have chosen to take up and carry, all of you who are weary and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Now, when I think about that word rest, sometimes like we stop there at the word rest. We think, oh, God wants us to take a nap. Hallelujah, here below. Because a lot of times when we're in moments of stress, we feel that need, right? You, you know it and you just wanna fall asleep. You wanna fall asleep to it all, like on a long road trip, you know, if you fall asleep on a long road trip, you get there faster. Sometimes when we're on hard seasons, we wanna rest because we wanna fall asleep to whatever it is hap that's happening so that we can get through it faster and get to our destination. But Jesus has a better plan. He has a different idea of what it is to rest. Here's his idea of rest. Verse 29, take up my yoke and learn from me. Don't sleep through this season. I've got something I wanna teach you because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, when we lean into the truth of who Jesus is, it has the power to shift the season. But when we lean into the rest that Jesus has for us, it can change the rhythm of our whole life. God doesn't want to just lead you through this season. He wants your whole life to be resting upon him. Not resting upon your agenda, not resting upon your calendar, not resting upon your to-do list or your list of priorities. He says, no, I want to give you the kind of rest that rests on me. I want you to learn my rhythm. That, that line, that phrase that he uses to, to put on the yoke, that's, that's calling to mind this idea of an ox. And when you train an ox, you put a young, inexperienced ox into a yoke with an experienced ox. Oxen, ox. And the pair of oxen <laughs> will walk step in step, the more experienced one, teaching the other how to walk, how to stay the course. And Jesus is saying, take my yoke. I'm gonna be in this with you. I'm gonna carry this with you. I want to teach you the way to walk. And like Solomon said, he said, who can make straight the path that God has made crooked? 
Well, if, if we can't make that path straight, let's learn to walk it with him wherever it may go, wherever, where, whether it be crooked or whether it be straight. And that yoke that he puts upon you, that, that ox, the farmer would have made that yoke to fit that specific ox because he needs that ox to keep going, to keep working in the field. And so it would have had to be an, a yoke that would have fit that would have felt comfortable, that would not have rubbed blisters in the wrong places because he needs that ox to be well. We are the same way. The, the burden that we are carrying when we take up our cross and follow Christ is one that we were meant to bear and one that he bears right alongside us. That's the kind of rest that, that changes the rhythm of our entire life. Because a lot of times we rest only long enough to like catch our breath and to get up and to keep doing the same things that we were doing before. Just, just like a little bit re-energizing. Got to keep going, got to keep going, got to keep going. But Jesus says, no, I want you to have a full rest, a rest for your soul. I want you to learn from me. I, I want you to learn different from what you know like it says in, in Romans 12, verse two, it says, don't be conformed to the world and the way that it moves and the way that it thinks. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want to give you a new path. I want to show you a new way. I literally want to make a new path in your mind and in your soul so that you can keep walking in step with me. This is what it is to live a whole life of rest with me. And when we finally submit to that rest, he can do his great work, we can learn. And I know that it's scary. I know that rest might not be what you wanna do right now. You might wanna just keep all the things spinning. Have you ever seen those plate spinners? They're absolutely fascinating. And they've got all these plates that they're spinning in the air. And you think, God, if I rest for even a second, these plates are gonna fall. All of these things that I'm holding in the air, I know that I'm exhausted. But goodness, if I let go, all of these things are gonna fall apart. This whole thing is gonna shatter at my feet. And Jesus says, oh. It's like he takes your sweet little face in his hands. And he says, I know that this is important to you. I know that all of these things matter to you, your schedule, your agenda. I know that it's so important to you, but they are temporary. They are not eternal. They are momentary troubles. And if you rest, yeah, some of them might fall, but you, my child, you were made in my image. I have set eternity in your hearts. You are not temporary. You are eternal. You have a soul that is going to last beyond this lifetime. And these things may fall apart, but I don't want you to fall apart. I want to hold you together. And that doesn't mean that you have to be strong for yourself and hold yourself together so that you don't fall apart. Because if you break, you break in my hands and that's a great place to be. It's okay to fall. It's okay to rest when we rest at the feet of Jesus. 
Because when we're at the, the feet of Jesus, not only will we find rest, but we will find peace. Jesus tells us in John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So don't let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. He says, hey, now that I've got you here, I wanna leave you with my peace. I want my peace to rule in your heart. My peace that defies all understanding. My peace that is not dictated by your circumstances, but is defined by the Prince of Peace himself. Come to me. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know the plates that you are spinning or the fear that you have that they may fall or you may be standing with broken plates all at your feet and you're just not sure what to do about it. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, rest for your soul. God, we are here today and we trust that when we fall at your feet, that we are still in your hands, that nothing that is broken is beyond repair, We have full hope in you and your steadfast, eternal, loyal love to us. God, you will never give up on us. You will never run out on us. You never grow weary of us. We might grow weary and we might go through seasons, but you do not. You transcend seasons. You are the same yesterday and today and forever. And it is in you that we place our trust. Lord, hear our prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and opportunities to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.